This is episode 559 on the 19th of August 2022. So, in the world of sports commentary, an iconic commentator has decided to take a break or permanently retire from this profession. So, he has been a part of the sport for almost five decades, 16 years as a player and more than 40 years as a commentator. So what does this mean for the world of commentary? With iconic commentators like Tony Gregg, Jeffrey Boycott, Will Glory, Richie Beno, no longer a part of the commentary panel. And when it comes to commentary, I can say that I can be a little old school and for for except for these four individuals and one individual from India, I do not see anyone else as an icon in the world of sports commentary. So what does this mean for the world of sports commentary? With Ian Chappell retiring at least only two elite commentators from India at least that is me and Ravi Trusty. No one else has come close and no one else will. And those who want to debate this, well please, I'm here. You can send me an email, you can send me a message and we'll debate this for decades. But there is something important that we have to understand. Currently, the Indian commentary box is flooded by non-performing assets or I would say non-performing liabilities. Individuals who themselves as players were part of a group discarded and rejected. So now it's a very simple thing. If you have been rejected by the Indians, you can vote, but you have played enough of domestic tournaments and done well. No one cares about domestic tournaments. That's only an elevation to be part of the main team. You may do well at the domestic level, but if you don't do at the main level, it doesn't mean you have to score 10,000 runs, score 1500s, but at least have some kind of an impact. And the current commentary box, leaving one or two individuals, they are all non performing assets, non performing liabilities. And the interesting thing is, they have been discarded and rejected by the Indian vote, but accepted by the broadcasters because they know these individuals won't mind even being contracted for one pesa, and that's the big thing. And that is why only two elite commentators remain as far as commentary goes, whether it's India any other part of the world. Me and Ramesh Kashmir and there is nothing to argue on that. Those who want to argue, well, you can, but you won't be successful. Now let's move on to something even more interesting. What is healthy and what is unhealthy? The debate on fast food has been going on the moment fast food has separate identity came along. What defines fast food? What is exactly fast food? Fast food is simply a type of food which is, as the word suggests, it can be made quickly, it can be consumed quickly. Yes, it has 
unhealthy elements such as sugar and fat and carbohydrates but is there any food in the world which doesn't contain sodium and fat and carbohydrates because we have to know that protein is good for health vitamins are good for health well even that is debatable who sees what is good for health who defines healthy and who defines unhealthy that is one thing that has flummoxed me forever because when it comes to fast food how do you define indian food for me indian food can be put into two categories 70% unhealthy and 30% healthy there will be people who will object to this because the hysteria of being an indian will block their cognitive sense of understanding that there is a huge portion huge cuisine as far as indian cuisine is concerned that is part of what one categorizes as unhealthy one is to go by this article six states had the lowest overall nutritional deviation which entails consumption of highly processed food containing high levels of sodium fat sugar which is a departure from traditional fiber rich diet as i said this traditional fiber rich diet only is 30% of indian food the highly processed food containing high levels of sodium fat sugar is 70% of what defines indian food and those who don't think this is true and those who are blocked by the hysteria and the fact that for us we won't allow such debates to be affecting us but let me tell you let me just make this very clear what is highly processed sugar based indian food pav bhaji chola bhatura samosas gulab jamun rasgullas this is part of what one calls the highly processed food containing high levels of sodium fat and sugar most of us will be not agreeing to this but you have to you have to come out of this thing that it's indian food or it's western food don't go by that understand this of course no one will consume pavadi or chola bhatura or samosas or pakoras or gulab jamun every day fine don't consume it every day but don't think that they are not part of highly processed food containing sodium and salt and what not don't let certain things affect your cognition because no one knows what is healthy no one knows what is fiber rich diet the 30% that is fiber rich diet could be legumes things like rajma chole maybe a bit of lady finger but that's a very small portion that's a very small 30% portion but the likes of pav bhaji chola bhatura samosas pakoras gulab jamun rasgullas barfi you can add many more to it they're all part of the unhealthy highly processed sodium salt containing it's not protein there will be a debate on this but is the 
criteria does it allow us to classify these as fast food or junk food? But when it comes to pizzas and burgers and pastries and whatnot, we think they are unhealthy. So the question is, which is unhealthier? Is it Bobaji or is it pizza? Is it Cholebatore or is it burger? Is it samosas or is it pastries or whatever other categories of junk food we have created as far as the western food or non-Indian food is concerned. But then that's the way we think we don't allow us to think rationally because we get emotional when it comes to food and then regional thought process doesn't allow us to think straight and that's the most discussion we need to have but this article is very interesting let us go through this article once again published in the journal current development in nutrition the study was funded by UBC and examined nutrition transitions among 937 children in the 13 to age 13 to 18 age group Children in this age group mark the transition from childhood to adulthood. I have my doubts. That there is really a transition from childhood to adulthood. I don't think there is. Are prone to forming new food habits, often detrimental to their health. Traditional foods are usually edged out by processed high sugar, high sodium, and high fat. Problems of being overweight and obese are driven by dietary changes that form the nutrition transition. Well, let me get this article in context one again. I don't think being obese and being overweight is a concern. Well, you can avoid being overweight and obese. Well, there is a simple solution. It's not what you consume, it's how much you consume. Even if you consume rich fiber-based diet food, if you consume a lot of it, you will still be obese and fat. Everything is not related to high sodium, high salt, highly processed food, high sugar. You cannot just put the focus on such categories. You have to think, if I for example, for dinner or lunch, how many cups can I take? How many katoris of rajma can I consume? One, two, if I consume a lot, will it affect my weight? Yes, it will, because it's never the quality, it's always the quantity. I can consume three paranthas, which is anyways bad for health, compared to one parantha, which is decent. And we should not allow such minute thoughts to affect us because this discussion and this concern around obese and being fat is subjective, it's complex, it's bad, and there is nothing to be concerned about. Also, the concern around sugar sweetened beverages, which means Coke. Should I get examples from Indian beverages? Lassi, isn't that a sweet 
beverage or sweet and salt beverage or nimbu pani that is lemon lemonade you can consume lemonade you can consume lassi in a lassi part of what one calls sugar sweetened beverages but nobody will see that why because lassi is indian it's supposed to be healthy but coke is bad for health lassi is good for health that shows a double standard minds which means if i can do one glass of coke as sugar and sweet based as one glass of lassi which means you can do one glass of lassi in a day you are allowed to consume one glass of coke there is no difference between the both yes one can say that lassi is great in a natural manner but we have this tendency to add salt and sugar in the way so we need to get out of this rut that everything unhealthy is better and everything healthy is better that was the case then it should be so different but they are not they are not and they never will be because i'm going to repeat this those who object to it good for you at least for listening to this program intently let me remind you Bhaji versus pizza, burgers, pastries versus chola bhatura, samosas, pakoras, gulab jamun, rasgullas, burfi, whatever you want to call, they're all in the unhealthy category. But forget the fact that they're eating. Just remember they're part of a highly processed sugar, fat-based food. So if pizza is bad for health, then so is pavaji. If chole bhatura is bad for health, then of course burger is bad for health. So if you are being told that pizza is bad for health, don't substitute that with chole bhatura. Maybe consume something like chole bhatura once a month, then you can consume pizza once a month. I'm not saying that you should consume unhealthy food, but don't let the reason part of it affect you. Otherwise. Well, hysteria won't allow us, and not everyone in India eats burger and gets fat and obese. Like the cute Bhabhaji Chola Bhatura, samosas, pakoras, and he will be on the unhealthy side of things. So remember that. Don't let such things affect you. Think about it very carefully. It's not how much. It's not what you consume. It's how much you consume. Salt-free diet, but if I have, if I consume too much of it, three, four plates, that's equally bad. So think about this before getting affected by the vegetarianism of it, or getting affected by the hysteria of being part of a certain part of the world. Think about it very carefully. But thinking about something else, how did the India-Zimbabwe ODI game go? Well, as expected. India was expected to steamroll Zimbabwe because Zimbabwe is not in the category of a top team. They maybe were once upon a time, 20-25 years ago, a top team who could give other teams a run for their money. But we don't have those big names. I don't know what defines big names. That just baffles me. I don't know what is a big name and what is a small name. Of course, the names are not very attractive in the Zimbabwe team right now, except for one or two individuals. So we don't expect teams like Zimbabwe to give India a kind of 
close one. And once Zimbabwe was rolled out for 189 yesterday or 190, whatever it was sold, they were never going to put up a fight. They could have, but the Indian team, whether you call the group that has gone to Zimbabwe, team D, team C, team E, team E, team F, whatever, they are still established players. None of these individuals are not unknown names. They have played the sport, they have played at the domestic level, they have played at the international level and they are all good players. Apart from the ones who will head to the World Cup, the group that is playing here will obviously be taking a sport into the next decade if that's what we have to believe. Shukman Gil and Shikhar Dhawan did what Shukman Gil and Shikhar Dhawan were expected to do. They did not follow the rules board policy of fitting in the board for a six because it doesn't work like that. So this aggressive mindset is good but it can backfire. So they chase down the target going at six minutes per over, smart batting, not allowing too aggressive and too affected by this whole new aggressive mindset. None of this group will be a part of the 20 over tournament, maybe except Deepak Chahar might get a look in because he will be a good support to the likes of Arshdi and Bhuvneshwar Kumar in terms of the kind of borders that are needed in Australia. Who knows, Deepak Chahar holding in this tournament might just give the selectors an option. He's part of the standby, but they might add him in the main process. So who knows what will happen? But apart from Deepak Jair and maybe to some extent with the others, I don't see anyone else exactly getting a look in as far as the 20 over World Cup is concerned. I don't know why. I have no idea what the vanilla selectors are thinking what their mindset is and the expectation from this tournament which is well being questioned that why do we have a 50 over tournament in the midst of the 20 over euphoria and all the focus on the 20 over tournaments domestic international either way but I don't think it's going to affect 50 over tournament shows how you have the job. 20 overs, everything happens quickly. So you are almost going at a rate, your heart rate increases as the match intensity increases. But in 50 overs, you can lower your, lower your heart rate, take your time, whatever. I'm not going to defend formats for me, but of course, this was earning 10 valuable points and this was looking at Rahul as a future leader. But then the question of future leader is we have so many options. Yes, Shayas, Ayer, Ishapan, Rahul, for we should be coming in that category. And let me tell you, a decade from now, we will be talking about Shukman Gil in the same way we are talking about Ruvichan, Manvirat Kodi and Shikhar Dhawan and whatnot. Ishan Kishan, Rishabh Pant, Nithuraj Gaipur, Shukman Gil, Prithvi Shaw, these five individuals in a decade from today decade to 12 years from today will be called legends just as we are calling Rohit and Rahul and 
2022. Stay tuned for the next episode 560 on the 22nd of August 2022.